Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Well, the greatest commandment is love God. And Pastor Stephen keeps talking about love God, love. Yeah, love God, love people. And we see that in Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord your God with all your, and with all your, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We're not only to love God with all our hearts or affections, but also with our mind. But also with our mind, it says. Um, that's our thoughts, our beliefs, our thinking. Did you ever think of it that way, that you can love God with the way you, with what you believe? Apparently. Why is this so, imp so important? Well, one reason is that you can't fully align with God's will and obey Him if you got wrong thinking. Is that true? If you got wrong beliefs, wrong thinking, wrong doctrines, you can't actually obey Him. For example, uh, let, let's keep this really simple here. Uh, let's try universalism. If you believe that all religions take you back to God, then why would you share the gospel? Amen? Jesus said, I am the, the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through me. But if you believe that all roads lead back to God then why would you share the gospel and disciple others? Because ultimately, everybody's going back to God anyway. Isn't that true? And so then you don't do it. You don't share the gospel. You don't disciple others. Then you don't please God. Then you don't obey Him. And you can't love Him, according to John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands keeps them is the one who loves it, loves me. We cannot love God apart from obeying Him. Isn't that true? And we cannot obey Him apart from right thinking. Right as man thinks in his heart, so he is. That's what the wise man said in Proverbs. So he is. As you think, that's how you practice. What you believe determines how you act. Is that true? And that's why this is so important. Second, you can't defeat Satan because the chief way he fights is with lies. If you don't know the truth, if you don't love Lord your God with all your mind, not only can you not please him and love him wholeheartedly, but you cannot counter the lies of the enemy. He attacks our, and that's the chief way that he fights, right? He attacks our emotions, filling us with anxiety, discouragement, and despair so that we quit and cause others to fall. In, the, in Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, he talks about that. And we won't go into Ephesians 6 now. He attacks our bodies. Isn't that true? Did he attack Job? Yeah, he most certainly did. And he attacks our minds our thinking, our beliefs, our doctrines, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's, let's begin. The devil tries to deceive us regarding truth. 
And to counter this, Paul exhorts us to buckle on the belt of truth. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And Peter said, therefore prepare your minds for action. This is where the devil attacks us, by countering truth with deception. The devil doesn't want you to know the truth because he knows that the truth will set you free and set others free. Because if we obey God, God has set things in a way that when we do them according to his pattern, that's when we live freely. But when we don't, we get ensnared, and so we have to know what the truth is. And others need to know what the truth is. Let's see how it works with false doctrines or beliefs. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Peter said, But where there are also, were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce what? Destructive heresies. Even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them brings swift destruction on themselves. Heresy is a doctrinal uh, departure or error from revealed truth, erroneous views or doctrines not in line with accepted teachings of the church, okay? Let me show you who's behind all this, though you already know where I'm going. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. I mean, you turn on the news today, you don't know who's telling the truth. Is government telling the truth or is the media telling the truth? Or are they both not telling the truth? Is it true? You never know. Fake news was not invented by Donald Trump. That was invented by the devil long, long before Donald was ever born. Is that true? Yeah. He, sa he sends out his demonic spirits to deceive the world and the church. Not just the world, but also the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, and the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will... Fall away from the faith. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Listen to me. You can't fall away from the faith if you weren't in the faith. Is that true? You cannot fall away from the faith if you aren't in the faith. He doesn't just deceive the whole world. When it says the whole world, that includes He's trying to deceive everybody, including the church, and maybe especially the church. The Spirit warned that demons would promote false doctrines which would cause people to fall away from the faith. In verse 3, you know, so then we go on to verses 2 and 3. We've just read what it said in verse 1. And in verse 3, Paul gives us two examples of doctrines of demons. Such teachings, first of all, he says... <clears throat> these uh, doctrines of demons he's referring to from verse 1, come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. Those are demonic. 
Doctrines? Those are doctrines of demons? Teachings, teaching people not to marry? And abstaining from certain foods? They don't seem that bad, do they? Huh? Seriously? Those are doctrines of demons? Well, why are they so bad? Why would demons be standing behind those particular ones that he was using for that day? That was something he was talking about that day. <clears throat> well, Gnostics taught that all matter is evil, only spirit is good. Therefore, all physical pleasure is bad. It's sin. But God clearly established marriage of one man and one woman as the norm for society. Because he says, Hebrews chapter 13, 4 says, marriage should be what? Honored by how many? All. Those who command, uh, uh, command celibacy as more holy or religious are promoting Gnostic heresy, not New Testament teaching. Now, why does that matter? Why does it matter? Well, here's what it leads to. Yeah, on August 15th, um, 2018, a grand jury found that documents from six Pennsylvania Catholic dioceses showed that more than 300 priests had been credi credibly accused of sexually abusing more than 1,000 children. Do you see where this goes? And that is the point of doctrines of demons or heresies. Anytime Satan's involved, he's trying to do something. <clears throat> They're designed, his doctrines, his teachings that he tries to, his false teachings that he tries to infiltrate, and he has false teachers to do the dirty work for him, uh, and demonic spirits, they, they influence them. They're designed to do great damage, destroy children, provoke church-supported evil like Dutch apartheid in South Africa, churches in the American South, and Lutherans in Nazi Germany, uh, to induce people to leave the faith. I've got a whole bunch of scripture passages behind these. To plunge people into ruin and, and destruction, to distract from mission, to lead to lukewarmness, to incite division. Well, let's just take this last one, for example. If anyone teaches false doctrines, Paul said to Timothy, and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies, quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, and evil suspicions. That's what he's trying to do. Does that make sense? The enemy's busy, isn't he? There's, there's a war out there. We're in a war. The devil uses false doctrines to draw the church into fights and disputes and to bring division. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So we've seen that he tries to deceive us regarding the truth because, because his whole goal is to steal, kill, and that's how he does it. And he does it through false doctrines and false beliefs and false teachings. And it works. Okay, secondly, false doctrines 
Let's look uh, just for a moment at some of the false doctrines that Satan is using today, and oh my, the list is long. But I'll just touch on a couple just so you get the idea of what we're talking about. Prosperity gospel. This is the false teaching that we're one of the king's kids, and as such, God wants us to be healthy, wealthy, and trouble-free. Yet Paul said, For it has been granted unto you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but what? But what? To suffer for him. Did you know that that is God's will for the Christian? That's very different than a lot of the teaching that's out there. And by the way, for any of these that we look at, you could, you could preach a couple of uh, or several messages. In some cases, you could preach entire series. We're just touching on it, okay? <clears throat> Notice who promotes the false doctrine of prosperity. We're just using one to expand on. We kept telling you, Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, in advance that we were going to what? Affliction. There it is again. And so it came to pass, as you know, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul was worried that when afflicted, this false doctrine would cause them to quit. How would it happen? Well, if the devil through false doctrine convinces us that God wants us to always be healthy and wealthy and then suffering, then suffering cannot be what? God's will. Exactly right. Then it can't be God's will for us. Then when the day of evil comes, as Paul said would surely come in Ephesians chapter 6, you will conclude that God is either unable or unwilling to do anything about your problems and your troubles. Isn't that true? At that point, many become disillusioned with God and leave him. Many have. It's deadly. That's what happened to Job's wife. His wife said to him, Job's wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. She concluded God wasn't good, therefore she cursed him. On the other hand, when Joseph was confronted with betrayal from his family, and then later from Potiphar's wife, and they lied about her, uh, she lied about him, later he said to his brothers this, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for? To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Part of the reason God allows us suffering and affliction is that so many can be saved. And we don't have time to go into all of that, but that's just a quick illustration of it. How about the rejection of the Old Testament? That's another one. There's a huge push in the church today in North America to reject the Old Testament. One popular teacher very popular teacher, said this, and I quote, Would you consider unhitching your teaching of what it means to follow Jesus from all things Old Covenant? By that he means Old Testament. When it comes to stumbling blocks to faith, the Old Testament is right up there at the top of the list. And he calls the Old Testament a stumbling block. The Old Testament is not the stumbling block. 
The Old Testament, it's Christians who don't know the Old Testament who are the stumbling block. Amen? And much of the church in the West doesn't know the Old Testament. Doesn't know it. Doesn't understand it. That's why we had that huge series on, on the grand story. But uh, Scripture itself says that we need to remain hitched to the Old Testament. It says in 2 Timothy 3, Paul said, All Scripture is what? God-breathed. And is useful for teaching. That's the number one thing he puts in there. Number one, teaching. Thank God that you have pastors here at Southland that believe in teaching the Word of God. Systematically, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture refers, refers first to the Old Testament, by, but by implication also, also to certain New Testament writings, which were already being considered as, as Scripture. Remember, the Scripture of Jesus was what? The Old Testament. The scripture of the apostles and the early church was what? The Old Testament. For the most part, not the New Testament. It was the Old Testament. That's what he's referring to. Amen? Yes. And he says it's profitable for those things. Many teachings are only addressed in the Old Testament. Did you know that? And I've got a list here for you. Abortion, bestiality, kidnapping, rape, disrespecting the elderly, mistreating handicapped people, dishonest scales and measures, defrauding workers of their wages, transvestism, breaking a treaty, the basis for capital punishment, God's plan for Israel, and there's others. I just threw a quick list together. If you want to learn about those things, you've got to go to the Old Testament. You want our explanations of how we got here? Creation. You got to go where? You got to go to the Old Testament. You want to know what went wrong in our world? You got to go to the Old Testament. And what God announced that he would do and the plan that he set in place, where do you go? Old Testament. Want to know how God deals with the nations? You got to go the Old Testament. Want to know what God is doing about evil? Go to the Old Testament. Want to know what God is doing in, in global disasters as we talked about last week? Go to the Old Testament. Dr. Walter Kaiser, my favorite Old Testament theologian who loves Jesus, said that the abortion debate was lost in the 1970s in the United States because the church couldn't find it addressed in the New Testament. So, the church divided over the issue, but the answer is not in the Old Testament. Millions, and the result is that millions of unborn babies have been killed since then. Do you see why false doctrines and heresies are so dangerous? And do you see why the church has got to come up to speed and really know its doctrine? Know the beliefs, know the right thinking. Do, does that make sense? 
Here's another one, sexual immorality. Paul said to Timothy, he said, we also, uh, we also know that the law is made for the righteous, is not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers for murders, for the sexually what? Okay, hang on to that. For those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. In other words, sexual immorality, homosexuality, sexual sins, sexual morality is part of sound doctrine. Is that true? And Satan wants to comes at the world and comes at the church with false teachings about identity and who we are, for example. He wants to change our thinking about sexual morality so that he can harm you and others. Demonic lies being fomented on society in progressive churches is that we were created that way or made that way. That's our identity, but Scripture says the opposite. It says that we are, uh, that we are, the, uh, uh, are, we are the way we are because we're broken due to sin. And Jesus can remake us in His image so that we are renewed creatures because of what He did on the cross. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? We're losing the entire generation because of the lies about sexual identity, and Pastor Stefan will be focusing more on this issue in the near future, so I'm not going to touch that. Here's another example. There's a powerful delusion coming. Did you know that? Scripture says that. When the disciples asked Jesus when the sign, what the sign of his coming, the end of the age would be, Jesus', Jesus first response was this. This one blows me away. It says in verse 3, Matthew 24, 3, it says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, When will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Those three things. And Jesus' immediate response was, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. What? They just ask for a sign. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Three times Jesus warned them of the coming deception. He warned that the lie would be powerful to even deceive the elect, if possible. In verses 23, 24, in that whole discourse there, three times he warns them about deception. The disciples, the believers, the followers of Jesus, he says, watch out. There's deception coming. It's powerful. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform what? Great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Yeah. There's a lot of Christians who are being swept up by deception today. You say, oh, it's, it's, it's impossible. Uh, Christians can't be deceived. Oh, yes, they can. That's why there's so much warring between Christians, so-called Christians. There's lots of deception out there. So we have to know the truth, right? And many will follow false messiahs 
and prophets and be doomed eternally. That was Jesus' warning. Here's another one, cessationism. Isn't it interesting that Satan could speak through Peter? People say, well, God doesn't speak to people anymore. That's what we mean by cessationism, that, uh, that uh, God doesn't speak to people anymore like he did in the New Testament, and he also doesn't, or and in the Old Testament, and all the gifts of the Spirit, the, those, those power gifts that, the, that Pastor Stephen was talking about were happening in the empower, they don't happen anymore. So Pastor Stephen is deluded. But isn't it interesting that Satan can, can speak? He, he tempted Jesus. You can, you can follow the discourse in the wilderness. He spoke to Peter in such a way that Peter thought those were his own thoughts or the thoughts of the, of the, of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus turned to him and said, Get behind me what? Yeah. Because he recognized the source of that kind of thinking. And then you have Christians saying, God doesn't speak anymore. Seriously? Then we're in real trouble. If we can hear the devil, and we can't hear God, then we, have, we are doomed. Would you agree? Yes, we can hear his voice. Amen? Yeah, but that would... That'd be another whole, <laughs> another whole series, if you like. And Satan empowers his followers to do great signs and wonders. And someone comes along and says, but God... Uh, uh, and, and, and then people say, but God's people can't do signs and wonders. Satan's followers can, but God's people can't. Does that make any sense to you? Not at all. And there's other ones, you know, when we talk about end times and so on and so forth. But most of the New Testament, listen to me carefully, most of the New Testament was written to counter lies. Did you know that? Most of it was written. Their scriptures were the Old Testament. And then... Um, and, and then came the enemy with his false teachers and his false doctrines and false teachings. And then the apostles had to counter it. And that's why some of it's pretty, uh, it's, sometimes it seems pretty complicated when, when the apostle Paul's writing in Romans trying to explain it, right? They're countering false doctrines which are meant to steal, kill, and destroy which is what the enemy is trying to do. So how do we counter the deceitful teachings of demons? Number one, learn and obey Bible doctrines. Paul exhorted Timothy, watch your life and what? Watch your life and? One more time. Watch your life and? Yeah, not just your life. Watch your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will, what? Save your, both yourself and your hearers. All of us have hearers. Whether it's our family, whether it's friends, we all have others. And so he says, watch your life and doctrine. So many, so many people today don't want to study the scripture. I know you do, don't you? You want to know the truth, amen? 
Yes, I believe it. And the way to save ourselves and others from being deceived and taken out by the devil is to persevere in learning and teaching correct doctrine. We're not uh, only to uh, learn to know what we believe. People say, well, I know already what I believe. That's not good enough. We have to know how to explain it to others. You know, it's one thing to say, well, these, you know, these examples, I, I agreed with all of that, yeah? And can you tell your kids? Because, as one pastor from Latin America, he wrote in this week, <laughs> this week and Christina sent it to me, he said, we, uh, we, send, uh, we send our kids to school for 15,000 hours where they receive secular thinking. And then they, we take them to Sunday school and get them to color a picture of Noah and the ark. And then he said, can we save them that way? You see, it's not good enough for, just, for us to, well, I, I know what I believe in this already. I, I, know, I, I know already. I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, but how about all those that are hanging on your nail? Do you know how to explain it? It's really important that we, um, that we learn this. Notice what Hebrews chapter 5, I have all the pastors in church renewal, well, the ones that I mentor, um, the other pastors, poor souls. <laughs> At the beginning of this month, I said, okay, we're going to memorize Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 6, 2. And all, all the pastors in my groups have memorized this now. And look what it's, uh, in fact, I, should we get Pastor Steve to stand up and quote it? <laughs> How many things should we should do? <laughs> no, no, we won't. Now that, that would be mean. Oh boy. That's hard. That's putting pressure on. But we do it. In, in our mentoring groups, we actually quote it to each other. And look what it says. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be what? Teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not Wow. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Your pastor knows this too, by the way. <laughs> Maybe we should get him to stand, eh? Okay, Pastor Stephen. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves, trained themselves, not just read the scriptures, trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Now you know where I got the title for the sermon. It's right out of Hebrews. And be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God. By the way, look at, look at he's going to list six that he says are elementary teachings. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. That's the first one. Second one, of faith in God. He says, move beyond that. Instruction about baptisms or cleansing rites. That's the third one. The laying on of hands, elementary teaching. Resurrection of the dead, elementary teaching. And eternal judgment. Did you know eternal judgment is Christianity 101? 
There's a judgment coming. And we better be ready. Amen? And Scripture is full of that. But can, can you show somebody that? Can you show your kids that? Uh, don't worry if you, if you can't, okay? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here, okay? I'm trying to exhort you because I know, you're, I know that most of you, your heart is right. And I'm going to give you a solution here in just a sec. The Berean Christians became known for examining the Scriptures. Acts 17 says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and what? Examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They examined, they investigated, studied. They weren't passive in this. But number two, not only do we have to determine that we're going to be, we're going to become fastidious in this and we're going to systematically study the word and get answers to these questions like about sexual morality uh, that the pastor seven is going to be teaching and and end times and stuff and that was the basis of the grand story that's you can't know the end time understand the end times if you don't understand the grand story but we have to learn it and we have to uh, uh, but here's the second thing make sure you have a true heart simply studying solid food isn't enough you have to have a right heart as you study. Paul warned that a time would come when people wouldn't put up with sound doctrine. He said, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead to what? Suit their own. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to hear what their, or to say what their itching ears want to hear. It's possible to study, study, study the scriptures, but not have a true heart. When you do, you're not going to get to know the truth because you can only come to know the truth with a heart of humility. Is that true? It's true. And uh, so they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Notice these people were studying the truth, but they, were, uh, but, but they were gathering teachers to say what they wanted to hear. It's not enough to study. There's lots of people who study it because they want to argue and bicker. That's, that's why they study it. Not because they want to change or save anybody, but just because they want to be, they want to convince others that they're right. That's not good enough. Not everyone who says they're seeking the truth are true truth-seekers. Is that true? I learned that years ago, a couple of decades ago. I, 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 was, I, I was in conversation with somebody, and then the Holy Spirit told me one day, not everybody is a true truth-seeker. Everybody says they're seeking the truth. But not everybody has a true heart that's willing to submit to God and what his truth is. They want it to be what they want it to be. Notice the contrast between the Thessalonians and Berean believers. When Paul taught the Thessalonians, some were persuaded, but other Jews were... But other Jews were... There we go. Same place. The Bereans had noble character and eager 
But the others, the, the, the Jews in Thessalonica, which is why he had to flee, were jealous and didn't have right heart. So they rounded up bad characters in the marketplace and opposed them. And, uh, and you see that the Bereans, in verse 11, just a few verses, six verses down, were of noble character and were eager. And that's why they received the message with eagerness. Third, learn from and follow true teachers. Christ gave gifts to the church to help you learn the scriptures. So Christ gave himself, gave the what? Help me. So Christ himself gave the and the, and the, and the, and to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be what? Infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Christians are just, there's so many Christians that are there all over the place because they're not, they're not grounded in the word. And so false teachings come in and, and they're easily swayed. You, you gotta follow, you gotta, if you, if you think you're gonna do this all by yourself, you're not going to be able to figure it out. All by yourself. I can't. You can't. Nobody can. So you say, well then, how in the world are you going to figure out a, a, a true teacher? Remember your le uh, Hebrews 13, 7 said, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. He says, examine their life, the fruit of their life. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 7, Paul outlined the kind of conduct we, we should be looking for in the lives of true teachers. You can write this down and look at it uh, yourself, but things like sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, gentle, not quarrelsome, not lovers of money. They manage their families well, and so on, and so on, and so on. Okay? And then, you know what he says about false teachers? Stay away from them. Stay away from them. Recognize them by their fruit. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are, what? Ferocious wolves. Stay away from them. By their fruit you will recognize them. You will recognize them. You've got to know the truth because the truth will set you free. But when you see people that are teaching something else and people have flooded, you know, gone to the internet and television stuff, especially during COVID, uh, turn the TV off or turn, turn, the, turn the internet off. The, uh, watch their fruit. Are they servant-hearted? Are they selfish? Loving? Caring? Mature? Are they divisive? Are they combative? Unloving? Unkind? That's why you can't follow somebody that's in Texas. Huh? I, did, I, I just picked a state, okay? I'm not... If you think I'm got somebody in my mind. I don't. I just thought of it. <laughs> but you can't follow somebody over there because you can't tell what kind of a character they are. Amen? You gotta, you gotta watch them. 
and watch the fruit of their family. Recognize them by their teaching. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. Yeah. I don't spend, all, all, I don't spend time ch chasing false doctrines, seeing, seeing what everybody's saying. You learn the true. Amen? Then you'll spot the untrue pretty quick. Okay. So, to set f captives free, we have to fast and pray, and there's no question. But the other equally important thing is we have to, uh, that we have to do is learn the truth, because it is the truth that will set people free from Satan's many lies, uh, keep them ensnared and destroy them. And that's why the Hebrews writer said, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward. Here's four things to do. Read the scriptures, yes, but memorize them. Memorize them. Number two, welcome and thank God for meaty sermons. When your pastors stand, I'm not talking about myself here, I'm talking about when your pastors stand and they, they come with a meaty sermon, and you go, oh, brother, here we go again. Thank God for a meaty sermon. Amen? Because they're going to try to dismantle some of the lies that you're going to encounter out there and that you need. Amen? It's, it's not just about curiosity about doctrine. Oh, we're going to have a thing on doctrine. Cool. No. It's about countering lies. That's why Paul wrote all that stuff in there. Uh, we have to know the truth, amen? Number three, take notes during sermon time to study later. And I know many of you do. And uh, many of you are doing all of these things. God bless you for that. And be discipled in the way. And Pastor Seven was talking about it just recently again. I heard him publicly. He's talking about it. And we're producing materials because we believe that one day you're not going to have an institutional church and you're not going to have institutional pastors. You're going to have to, you're going to be the pastors. Amen? But how are you going to do? How are you going to fare with that group that meets in your home if you don't have solid truth and if you haven't studied it? Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, I'm going to finish with the story, and then we're done. You say, thank the Lord. <laughs> it's a story. It's one of my favorite stories. And some of you have heard me tell this story. It's the story of Tomislav Kolakovich. My wife knows it's my favorite story, and I, I even get choked up thinking about him. In 1943, a Jesuit priest, Tomislav uh, Pogolian fled his native Cro Croatia one step ahead of the Gestapo and settled in Czechoslovakia. To conceal himself from the Nazis, he assumed his Slovak mother's name, Kolakovic, and took up a teaching position in Bratislava, uh, Bratislava which is in Slovakia, so the second half of Czechoslovakia. Because he had study the Soviet Union to prepare for missionary work. He believed that the defeat of Nazi totalitarianism
could be replaced by the Soviet's brand of totalitarianism, which was communism. So by the time Father Kolakovich reached Bratislava, it was clear that the Red Army would defeat the Germans in the East. In 1944, so I was just talking about 1943, 1944, the Czech government in exile made a formal agreement with Stalin, guaranteeing that after driving the Nazis out, the Soviets would give the, United, the reunited nation its freedom. But Kolakovich knew this was a lie. He had studied the Soviets because he wanted to be a missionary. And so Kolakovich warned Slovak Christians that Czechoslovakia would be subjugated by the Soviets. He then dedicated himself to preparing them for persecution. A Belgian priest, Joseph Kardjin, had started a lay discipleship movement called the Young Christian Workers inspired Father Kolakovich also established cells of faithful young Catholics who came together for prayer, study, intensive study, and fellowship. He also trained his young followers in how to work secretly and how to withstand interrogation that he said would surely come. In 1946, Kolakovich was deported, and two years later, in 1948, the Soviet uh, communists seized power just as he had predicted. Within several years, most of those who had been discipled had been imprisoned and the institutional church brutalized into submission. But when they emerged from prison in the 60s, they began to build the underground church as their spiritual father had taught them. They became the anti-communist dissent for the next 40 years that ended in a democratic Czechoslovakia. Brothers and sisters, we are in a Kolakovich moment in history. And we need to prepare. It's urgent. And we need to begin immediately. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples of the Lord Jesus who persevered, endured the cross for, this, for our sake. Thank you for the examples of many in, in the scriptures and down through history who have showed us how to prepare for such a moment in history. And we commit ourselves to diligent study of the word, praying and fasting as we finish this month of prayer and fasting to deliver the souls of many and uh, coupled with diligent, systematic study of, your, of the doctrines that we need to counter the lies out there that are, that are capturing so many. And so we commit ourselves to this diligent pursuit, not for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of the deliverance of many, saving ourselves and others. For it's in Christ's name we pray.